0: Jerusalem, how I love for you. Shalom and welcome to this week's Living Torah. Uh, made it to the week. Uh, we've got a, a bit of a busy house right now. Our son, daughter-in-law, and the and grandson, one of our grandsons, is in from South Korea, and uh, quite an adventure getting here from there. But I won't bore you with those details. And it's going to get even a little bit busier because our daughter. And two grandsons are going to be coming in from Colorado. This will be the first time that our all of our grandchildren have ever been under the same roof. So, grandpa's duties are numerous. Uh, one of them on the docket right now is going to be uh, homemade hand churned. No, I don't use those uh, those communist uh, electric churns. No, it's got to be a hand churn. So. Uh, I am from the South, so we're going to be doing some hand churn homemade peach ice cream this uh, this coming weekend sometime. And also, boiling some peanuts. Yeah, for all those of you up in the North, uh, we boil our peanuts. We don't roast them. So, just some cultural differences here. And I think this is probably going to be Jackson, our, our our grandson from Korea. It's probably going to be his, it is going to be his first time he's ever had uh, boiled peanuts and homemade peach ice cream. So, uh, no, you're not invited. Sorry. Uh, unless you want to come and help churn, that'd be fine. All right, we're going to get into this week's Living Torah. Uh, we go to the Torah portion, Ikev, or because. And it, it's a. It, it seems like with every Torah portion, you can pretty much just, or most everyone, I think, you could pretty much just spend like a lifetime on the first verse of the Torah portion. Why is this Torah portion call, called because, or Um uh, because it's, it's not actually the, the first word of the Torah portion. So as they were, my, the, my understanding, I'm not an expert on this, I can't even remember when the, the Torah portions were put down into the, uh, the, the weekly parashat, but they, they chose a word that would be a theme. So it's, it's not always the first word, but it is sometimes what they felt was the most, uh, the most prominent word of the first, what would now be verses of the Torah portion. And if we look at the first, ver- the first word, it is Hayah. And Hayah is, uh, is a Vav, Hei, Yod hey, might kind of tip you off to something here, because if we change the vav and the yod, what would we have? We would have yod hey vav hey, and this word, this first word, is there. Uh, it it means that when we, when we look at the two words together, it uh, it means there are to be consequences. Uh, one of the words that's translated here with the Haya and the Akev is to, to fall. So we could put it this way that if you're standing up on top of a cliff and you decide that you're going to jump off of that cliff, well, whose fault is it when you have the sudden stop at the bottom and you're being life lighted out? Is it someone else's fault or is it your fault? that you did not deal with you did not think through the consequences of your actions so in the first word here is Vavhe Yudhe. i'm not going to get into the the specifics here but when we look at Yudhe Vavhe, it is both the uh, the attributes of mercy that he has and the attributes of uh, of judgment now You know, we look at religious, uh, uh, the religion I was brought up in, um, of basic Christianity. And I'm not just talking about as a child, but I'm talking about as a follower of Messiah uh, since about 1986, and a religion called Christianity that preaches so much about uh, about mercy the attribute of mercy of, of Yah, is, eh, let's let's face it, can be pretty judgmental. And so for us, and I've talked about the three valleys in Jerusalem and and uh, how those are the valleys of mercy and judgment, and they're walking between them. So our walk, as, as we look at the, the words of, of Yeshua to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, the father is seeking those that would worship in spirit and truth what is walking in spirit and truth it is walking a balance a balance between his mercy and his judgment understanding that if we if we go over toward judgment what do we have we end up having legalism i was looking back over some things the other day some some emails and uh, a friend of mine sent me an email many years ago, which I had forgotten all about, which says that when, when desire becomes duty, we have entered into the place of legalism. I really like that. When desire becomes duty, we have entered into a place of legalism. Uh, my favorite definition of legalism is doing the right thing... But for the wrong reason. So, in our look at who he is, if we get off balance one way or another, we go over to the total mercy side, and well, he's just, you know, he doesn't care what we do. Yes, he does. The scripture is very, very uh, direct in telling us that our actions in this world will have consequences. And I think that this word Hayah is pointing us to the place that our consequences, that our actions and the consequences that they bring forth, we will one day stand before Him and give an account for those things. So the, the word Akev in here is, um, should take us, okay, if you, uh, in, in English, Okay, I'm, I'm I'm listening to quite a bit of Korean right now in my house, and I have no idea of of anything that's being said. Our grandson is able to speak uh, very very good English. Sometimes uh, he was actually told that he was he speaks better English than I do occasionally. So that's another subject. But the the word of Kev uh, in English, we we consider uh, in our basic life that an action. A memory has, uh, can bring forth some consequences. You're, uh, you, you're driving down the road, and you, you get a speeding ticket somewhere. Well, what's the chances? We have a, a speed trap south uh, down into Georgia. I'll be driving down there uh, numerous times. I've been going back to the 4th of the airport in Atlanta. And so I know a number of people that have gone through this photo speed trap and a few days later, they received a speeding ticket in the mail. Uh, so it's a memory for me. I've never received one from there, thankfully. But it's a memory. And so if, if you were to be the one that received the speeding ticket, well, what, would, what would trigger in your mind the next time that you drove through that area? You'd be like, Uh, I think I better do the speed limit because last time I didn't. Well, I ended up having to write a check or send in a credit card or something like that. I had to pay a fine for my actions. There were consequences to walking outside of the boundaries. Now, that's in Western. If we go to Hebrew, we should actually be able to do that with words. So a word should trigger another word which would trigger a whole uh, a picture in our lives and cause us to think about the actions the consequences and, and all of these things and this is very true with this word a kev because the root of this is the same word uh, there's there's this goes back to there's actually two different roots here but it'll go to the same place as the word Yaakov. Or Jacob, Ekev. and the concept. You know Jacob, as if you've ever heard Bill Cloud teach on uh, the on, on Jacob, and the the supplanter and the one who who grabs the heel. And you know the sermon after sermon after sermon in Christianity. And I've done that. I did the same thing because that's what I was taught. But so many sermons have been given uh, showing. Jacob to be this terrible person that was surplanting Esau and, and was, was stealing the birthright. And we know that he didn't, he never stole anything. He bought it legally. He had a contract. So if we, we look at Yaakov and this Ekev and Bill Cloud's concept with this is that as, uh, as Esau and Jacob are wrestling in the, the womb, and Esau is, is coming out first uh, into the world. He's going to be the firstborn. This is what the wrestling was about, of who would be the firstborn. So Jacob, if we go over to other scriptures, it says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. How do, how do we reconcile that? That's that's a can be a difficult thing to reconcile. I did this uh, uh, at Revive talking about a parade, and I mentioned this of how the Almighty does not see past and future, and, and this is a concept that, to quote Hanok Young, ten out of nine people will not get this concept because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how to understand. If you get a concept or not, it will come out in your speech. That's where it happens. It will come out in your speech. So most people will go, oh, yeah, yeah, and and nod their head, but not really get it and allow this to be a part of their being is that the Almighty does not see past and future, but yet sees present. It's like he's up above the parade looking down. So how is it that he could love Jacob, hate Esau, because he saw both of them from their mother's womb to the place of the end of time at the same time. So he could love the actions and the life of, That Jacob would choose and he could hate the one that Esau would choose with this when we see this word because still this is the first verse when we see the word because it should remind us of Jacob the one who would grab the heel or put his hand above the soft spot on his head in order to protect himself from the heel of Esau, who was seeking to destroy him. Now, that's a very important picture. Because for the last, how many thousands of years, we could actually take this back to the garden, that has been, and that will always be toward, to the end. That this battle between Jacob and Esau... Uh, Shaul, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, would speak about the the two natures. We see this in Native American cultures. We see it in various various other cultures. This this battle between the the what we would call the old man, the new man, the sinful nature, the renewed nature. This is what we battle, and so this first verse is about because you have listened to these rulings and by the way there is an aleph tav in there it would literally be uh stated like this because you have are listening to these aleph tav rulings so let's go one step further here since yeshua says to us in revelation i am the aleph and the tav and we see he who is speaking there is the one who is from the beginning and i believe is the one that was speaking on mount sinai so everything is one message because you are listening to these rulings which have been given to you on mount sinai from the messiah himself which is the same rulings that were given to adam and eve in the garden Keeping and obeying them, Adonai your Elohim will keep you, keep with you the covenant and mercy these swore to your ancestors. So this is about consequences, and understanding that we will, for every single day of our life, there will be an inward battle. This is not a negative confession. This is just the truth. Okay. People are wanting to be free of the. It's not going to. Happen. This life is not about the utopia. This is. This is not going to be the garden. No matter what you try to do, this is not going to be the restored garden. You're going. We are going to have trials and tribulations. Be be of good cheer. He has overcome them, and as we walk closer to Him, we will overcome more and more but it's never going to go away the inward battle is never going to go away maturity should be that we learn how to overcome more and more so there's a battle inside there's also a battle going on around us when you watch the news when you watch all of the, the stupidity that's happening in our day, what is the answer? Well, basically it comes down to this, that the answer is about, in this world today, there is the battle between Jacob and Esau. It is the battle between Hasatan and our Creator. This is, it's, it's, it's so simple in the end, that... Most people, again, will miss it, because the message is too simple. Many will want to complicate that. Now, in verses uh, 12 and 13, he says this, um, He will love you, bless you, increase your numbers. He will also bless the fruit of your body, the fruit of of your ground, your grain, wine, oil, olive oil, young of your cattle and sheep, in the land he swore to your ancestors he would give you, and it goes on from there. So, what does he say in these first verses? First of all, I'm going to keep you. The, the word is Shemar. It's the same word that we use when we're told we are to guard the Shabbat. We are to guard his commandments. We are. He is the one who guards us, who keeps us. This is part of the blessing, right? When we go to the erotic blessing, I don't like bless you and keep you. This is what he's saying in that blessing, and he's expounding on it here. Uh, He will keep us, he will guard us, he will love us, and he will bless us. And the bless is the word Baruch. We use this in in, in the basic blessings that we do. Uh, we're not again blessing food um th- this is one of those concepts again that i I see many people give a nod to oh yeah we're not blessing food we're blessing the one who gave us the food but now let's bless the food it, it never it never makes the connection in many people's minds let's let's The the word Shema. We talked about Shema Israel last week. The word Shema is about hearing something with our audible, with our ears, and then allowing it to connect with our inner being. Many people will never be able to figure that one out. I don't know how to get people to. I mean, I'm sure there's things that I do the same thing, okay? I'm not taking myself out of this mix. There's things that I hear. Things that I read in Scripture, and it's like not allowing it to make the connection. But maturity should be the connection becomes easier, and the connection becomes more solid in our lives. So He will bless us. the The word here, Jeff Benner did a, a, a from ancient Hebrew did a great study on this. The, the word is is literally that He will bow before us. So when we say, you know, blessed are you, Adonai or Elohim, king of the universe, we are literally kind of saying that we are bowing down before him, but he's, he's saying this, he will bow before us. How do we, how do we reconcile that one? That he has come to our level. Now this is the message of the person of Messiah. That he has come to our level. You've heard me say this over and over again that what separates us from every other religion upon the face of the earth is that the creator of the universe, the almighty one, the all sufficient one, the all knowing one, you know, put all those omni words in there, he has come to us to redeem. And there's nothing that we can do to get to him. So, because it's, it's like being stuck in the bottom of a well, upside down, with no rope, you're done for. There's nothing you can do. You're stuck. You ever seen that of, of a child that's been, you know, uh, fallen into a drainage ditch or somebody that fell into a well, they fall head first? Without help, they're going to die. There's, there's nothing they can do. They can't dig through the... the uh the 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 uh surface of the well they they cannot write themselves back up they're just going to die until someone comes along and puts a rope down there grabs put gets that rope over their feet and pulls them out. That person did not do anything that that helped out the situation at all because they couldn't and the same holds through about what messiah has done for us so it's this picture of two that are bowing down before each other a uh, beautiful beautiful picture when you when you stop and think about it now why is it why is it ask that question why does he keep us why does he guard us why does he love us, and why does he bow before us? And in the the the, uh, the verse in the erotic blessing would be that he bows before us, bringing gifts. Uh, it comes to our level, bringing gifts, which the first of all is our redemption in Messiah. But why? Well, that's actually answered, and go all the way over to uh, chapter eight and verse eighteen. Or excuse me, yeah. Chapter 8, verse 18. Now, you are to remember Yudah, Vav, your Elohim, because it is he who is giving you the power to get wealth in order to confirm his covenant. Now, this verse has been misused by, uh, by prosperity gospel teachers to just say that it's about money. And so God is just wanting to give you money. Well, it's, you know, first of all, we've got to go back to the word e- kev which is because, so why is it that he's giving us whatever this word wealth is? Just so we can be happy, so we can be satisfied in life, so we can be, you know, filled with uh, with with riches and goods and a big house and three cars and all that no no that you know, the, the prosperity gospel only works in America. It doesn't work in other places. you ask I've been there it doesn't work. So the key to this is in the words you can underline these words in order to confirm or establish his covenant. Let's put it another way. Everything that he gives to us is not about us. Everything. Everything that he gives to us is about him. It's about us confirming the covenant, going all the way back to the the garden, us confirming the fact that he hated Esau, and he loved Jacob, Confirming the fact that he told Noah to build a boat. Confirming the fact that he brought forth Abraham, Abram at the time, in his covenant. Uh, He brought forth Isaac, not Ishmael. Jacob, not Esau. He brought forth King David. Every place that we see the covenant this is that he is giving us something in this earthly realm. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. How in order for us to establish his realm upon this earth. Let me make one small detour. Regarding the covenant, there, though there, is, there are scriptures that show us some insight into the heavenly realm, the battle going on, the battle of, of principalities, as Shaul would say, of demonic forces, principalities, authorities, all of those things, There is a battle going on, but it's a paper battle. Get that. It's a paper battle. The covenant has already been established in the heavenly realm. We don't have to battle for that covenant. It is already established in the heavenly realm. We, our job, and you're going to have to maybe think through this one a little bit later on, our job is to, ta- is to bring forth that which is in the spiritual realm and place it into the natural realm. How do I do that? With my own individual life, with my family, with, with those that I have influence over. So the word here for wealth is, is really not the best translation. It is. It can mean wealth, yes. It has uh, an aspect of the, uh, the physical things of this life, but it's also strength. It is the idea of an army. So in, in order for an army to succeed, what do they need? They need a, a supply of weaponry. They need a supply of ammunition they need a uh, they need their their food they need their clothing they need their supplies they need their transportation but a soldier that is in a place of battle is is not should never think of those things they should never turn around and say hey do we have any more ammunition because the supply chain the supply chain is one that's always there so before you run out of ammunition there's already more ammunition behind you in order for you to reload you don't have to wonder is if things are going well in this battle you don't have to wonder well I, are, are we going to be able to eat tomorrow no because there's a supply chain that is in the military it seems like it's endless uh, and this is if we just take that into the heavenly realm. He doesn't have a shortage of anything. He has no shortage of spiritual weaponry for us. He has no 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 shortage of spiritual ammunition for us. He has no shortage of our for our clothing. He has no shortage for our our physical needs of of food. There's no shortages from his realm. So it is the idea that he is going to give us everything that is needed in our lives in order for us to establish this covenant. Now, the root word of this is is kind of fun. It means to whirl around. So in the giving to us of wealth in order to establish this covenant is giving us the joy of the winning of the war think about that we should have joy in the midst of the battle well to use an old idiom because we've read the back of the book okay I mean it's it's one of those 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 things people say well I've read the back of the book and you see them living this this this, this so substandard spiritually substandard life because they don't understand the, the supply chain that is being brought to you in order for you to have the joy to go forth in the battle. Now, uh, I want to go back a little bit here in verse uh, 4 of chapter 8. During these 40 years, okay, here here we go. During these 40 years, the clothing you were wearing didn't grow old, your feet didn't swell, think deeply about it. Adonai, Ute Vave, was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his child. So what was this? This is about supply chain. There was never a time that you had to go to the store and buy shoes. There was never a time that you had to buy clothing. Because he is able to operate outside of our realm. For us, it would be like an unlimited gift certificate at your your favorite clothing store, uh, an unlimited gift certificate, unlimited account at your favorite uh, you know, at, at Cabela's. Again, okay, that'd be a I'll throw that one in. That would be nice. at at Bass Pro Shop, wherever, whatever you're you're thinking, wherever you go get things at that you're going to need for this walk that we have, for this battle that we're involved in, you have an unlimited account. And for us, it's like, okay, well, we've got to go back and and get another pair of shoes. But for the Hebrews in the wilderness, they looked down and their shoes were still, they they just never wore out. Their clothing. Think about this. Forty years In the wilderness, with your children, and the clothing never wears out. What a great miracle that would be. So, this is that he was supplying, but he was also disciplining them. And and part of the disciplining process here was that they needed to to realize the supply chain. So that they could become grateful... I'm going to keep using this word. Maybe this will give you some different thoughts in in this. They needed to realize the unlimited nature of the supply chain in order that they could realize the the joy that came from never having to be concerned about things because they knew it was going to be taken care of. Now, does does this mean, on the other hand, that we're never to prepare for anything? Absolutely not. Look at the book of Proverbs in various places. But when we put our efforts in the wrong place, which is preparing out of fear versus preparing out of faith. For the Hebrews, they're a nomad society, there's there's no place for them to store anything. So what did he do? He gave to them every single day, including a double portion on the sixth day in order to last on the seventh day. So there was there was no reason when they would enter the land, uh, this would change. They would be putting up produce. So just taking scriptures verses out here and there do not give us a a, a good pattern for our lives. So be careful that when we read other areas, we also balance that out with what is happening here. He says, "In order to discipline you, I've been reading through the Book of Proverbs lately, and I've heard through the years the the verse of uh, of train up a child in the ways they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it." Okay, got the verse, but uh, I very blunt. I've seen people use that verse and really have no evidence of how they ever trained up their child except for dropping them off at Sunday school class on Sunday morning and then picking them up while they were going somewhere else doing something else. So we we need to make sure that if we're claiming that verse that we've done everything we could to, to be a part of that verse. Now, what many people will not look at is that chapter 22 of Proverbs is followed by chapter 23 of Proverbs, which talks about discipline. That if you, and, and the word beat here is uh is is not you know th- this is one that breaks down in english we're not talking about child abuse in some countries uh corporal punishment is actually illegal uh, I, my children can tell you that we never lived in that country so the this this thing of disciplining them uh, in more than just time out okay i know this is i've got a be a, a slightly politically correct here, about as politically correct as I'm going to ever get. But the the verses of Proverbs are basically this: if you spare the rod, you're going to spoil a child. This does not allow for abuse, but it does say that there is a place of getting their attention in maybe some means that uh, is going to inflict a slight amount of attention getting hope that makes sense. So he was doing this. He was disciplining them in the wilderness in order to get their attention and bring them back to the place that they could do what confirm his covenant as they were walking through their place of from exile to the journey in the wilderness to the Promised Land. So expect that it's going to be. These are prefigurative historical events. So expect that the things are going to be the same as we go through. Now, in um, um it, it also talks about I'm. Uh, where was the the verse I was looking at? So I'm. He's doing these things to discipline us and to test us. There's a difference between testing and tempting. Uh, you, let, let's go to our children, okay, or or maybe maybe my dog. Uh, if Kathy's been into baking cookies, all right, we have pretty much any cookie that can be baked right now. We have a, a, a pretty abundant supply in the house. Because that's what nanas do. So we've got all these cookies. Uh, There's a difference between putting the cookie on the counter or leaving them in the freezer or putting them in a cabinet and saying, okay, those cookies are for after dinner. So after you eat your meal we're going to have cookies. We're going to have dessert. The test is, will you, will will that child discipline themselves to eat their meal prior to the cookies? Or, will they fail the test, climb up on the counter, and start eating cookies prior to? Therefore, uh, disobeying what you said that was a test the other aspect would be to put the cookie right in front of their nose and go here's a cookie and you know if you get this you're gonna have a problem later and you know maybe like you know putting the salad and the cookie next to each other that's temptation folks Because most of us are going to fail that one. He does not put the cookies out in front of us before the cookie time. You've probably never heard it taught like this. So, he tells us that there is an order of things in our lives. And these are the ways that we are to walk out our lives. The enemy will come in with a cookie under your nose. Before you've eaten your salad. The almighty there's a difference between testing and tempting and we need to understand the difference moving on in uh, i'm going to go all the way to chapter 10 on this one and it says in verse 12 so now israel all that yudhevave your elohim ask from you is to fear yudhevave your elohim follow all his ways love him serve him Udevavhe elohim with all your heart, and with all your being, to obey for your own good the mitzvot and regulations of Udevavhe, which I am giving you today. You know that verse. I go over um, and I look at that verse as it comes into Isaiah chapter fifty-six. Of course, a verse that's very, uh, very personal to me. In Isaiah chapter fifty-six, starting in uh, well, in yeah, let's go back to starting in verse four. For here is what Vave says: As for the eunuchs who keep my Shabbat, who choose what pleases me, hold fast to my covenant in my house within my walls. I will give them power and a name greater than sons and daughters. I will give him an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And the foreigner. The foreigner who joins themselves to Yudhe the word is to cleave, to serve him, to love the name of Yudehvave. And the word when we say the name, this is not trying to study out how to pronounce the name the right way. That's I won't say irrelevant, but in the end. If you come up with some kind of, of study and actually get the pronunciation right but don't understand the reason for and the person behind the pronunciation, totally miss the point. For the word Shem uh, to love the name of Uuta Vave, the word the word Shem, is, can be looked at as his breath and his authority. So to love his name is to love that which comes forth from him, is to love the very words that he speaks or has spoken. So when we fall in love with the instructions that he's given to us, what are we doing? We are loving his name. This goes to Jeremiah, which says, that in the last days the the goyim will come from the ends of the earth and saying our fathers inherited lies falsehoods worthless things and I will teach them to know my name uh knowing how to pronounce the the pronounce the name right does not make any difference it is when we know his breath and authority and then baruch submit ourselves to bow down to that breath and authority that's what the word is saying here to serve him to love the name of ydhavave to keep his to be his workers all who keep Shabbat do not profane it and hold fast to my covenant I will bring them to my holy mountain make them joyful joyful what is that what is the word uh, that we were talking about I will make them joyful the word wealth, I will make them spin about, joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, burnt offering, sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. So, this whole thing of uh, that we're reading here of what is spoken to Israel in that day is spoken to Israel in our day. And the wonders of it all. The, the the absolute something that is is beyond comprehension is that he has made a way for you and I to be grafted in to be adopted into this family. And with that comes some responsibilities. I want to go back to um, uh, chapter 7 actually, verse 26 don't bring something abhorrent into your house. Now, this is not just speaking of our natural house, our physical house, because Israel is known as the house of Yudhei Vave. So, we're not to be bringing things that are abhorrent. So, if you're, if you're out there, you know, kind of looking around the internet and you find some, uh, some video, some YouTube video about something that's, that's some wild conspiracy or or someone who is known for being divisive. And you decide to share that with all of those people on your social media pages who are part of the house of Israel. What have you done? You are the one that's brought something abhorrent into his house. Now, this um, this word "abhorrent" is uh, the first time it is used is when uh, is is in. Uh, you can look at this later. Is Genesis chapter forty three thirty two and also forty six verse thirty four. The first time is that uh, that Joseph is eating by himself. The second time is that the 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 the, the Hebrews were separated. Because shepherds are abhorrent to the people of Egypt. So my question is this. When it comes to using it in the context of where it's used first here, is the world as abhorrent to us as we are to them? I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that one again. Is the world as abhorrent to us as we are to them, they're not. The world is not going to try to be your friend. We do not need to be the world's systems friend. Religion is going to try to be your friend. Oh, just just come back where you know you you really made a mistake in going where you're at. Come on back, brother. We'll just accept you as you are, and and it, it will you know we'll put up no no it's, it's never the world systems are never going to be your friend, they will always be your enemy, and you and I need to understand that. Now, lastly, I have to go here, as uh, down to the last couple minutes, in chapter eleven, verse uh, verse twelve. It is a land vav Vabhei, your Elohim, cares for. The eyes of vav Vabhe, your Elohim, are always on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. There's never a time, never a time in which he loses his gaze over the land of Israel. You know, as, as I've talked to you, those of you that have watched the Israel update, uh, I've talked about this through the years. I don't, I don't understand. I just don't understand why it is that a person who who is following the Torah, following the Shabbat, all of these things, for the most part, in this movement has little to no interest for the land of Israel. Now I, I know that I'm I'm talking to people that are. That, that you're like, yeah, I got that. Mike, explain it to me. Why is it that that someone is is sitting down doing the blessings, doing all these things, wearing zit zit observing Shabbat, all of this. And and I talk to them about the land of Israel and it's like, Huh? What are you talking about? Well oh oh yeah. I, I know that one day we're going to go there but uh it's, it's irrelevant to me. you you say did you see the rockets that were you know were, were launched into Israel oh, the, oh there there's rockets? I didn't know that there were rockets. you you see that the, the um, you know, all, all kinds of things, the news of Israel and, and people are like, wow, I, I didn't see that but did you did you hear what Kamala said? because for the most part in this the people of this walk, The revelation of Israel is, it's just not there. Uh, Does it frustrate me? Yes. Does it frustrate you? Yes. But what can we do? Well, as Josh Walters' song says, there's a line in the sand. And I cannot force someone to love something they don't want to love. Period. You ever tried that? You ever try to to get a stray dog to love you? You can't force someone to love that which they don't love. You can pray that they would walk in the revelation of it, but until they do, you just have to be who you are. Walk in your revelation. And maybe if you walk in your revelation long enough, it will eventually kind of spill over unto them. Shabbat Shalom. Shavua Tov. have a blessed one a blessed and prosperous week bezrat Hashem. God willing oh, I probably I don't know if I doubt if I'm going to be recording next week uh, on on any of my programs so we've got family in and um, sorry guys haven't spent a lot of time with them uh, for the last couple of years so that's going to be my priority and I think you guys understand that until whatever it is